story of a season. He's all by himself, fires into the end zone, Cox, touchdown! Here's your host, Truman Chose. You're listening on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. So now we are finished with week eight of the NFL season. Each team has completed almost half of its season. Uh, I opened last week with a discussion of the NFC South, but it feels like this week's game between the Panthers and Falcons was crazy enough to justify uh, going over some of the same ground. So entering this game, the Panthers were 2-5 and five and the Falcons were 3-4. and four. Following Tampa's loss to the Ravens on Thursday night, this game uh, would give the winner sole possession of first place in the middling NFC South. The Panthers trailed 13-21 at the start of the fourth quarter. After that, it was a back-and-forth affair for most of the rest of the quarter, where the Panthers had lead and the Falcons, etc. Uh, eventually, the Panthers trailed 28-31 to with just under two minutes to go. Then they elected to go for it on 4th-19 in their own red zone. Now, if the Panthers elected to punt here, they have two timeouts. They could potentially, had they stopped the Falcons, gotten the ball back with 45 seconds. But they elect to go for it on fourth and long. Walker sets. Now he throws. More bobbles in. Unable to make the catch. Nearly had it. So close. Now, going back to what you just said, Kenny, if they stop him here and they hold to a field goal, right. they still have an opportunity. Yes. So it's not lost opportunity. Then they would need a touchdown, not they a would field need goal a touchdown. to tie it. That's correct. So a lot that goes into it. That came courtesy of Fox, the NFL, Kenny Albert, and Jonathan Vilma. As the announcers mentioned, despite failing to make it, they still had a chance left if the Falcons didn't score a touchdown or make a first down. As it happened, the Falcons settled for a field goal to go up by six. So normally, this is when I would decry the sad state of coaches not listening to analytics. Uh, According to some fourth down bots, this was actually an acceptable decision. As a reminder, it's often not worth it to kick the field goal to go up six late in the game because that will just motivate the opposing team. They are now forced to go for a touchdown instead of potentially settling for a field goal. In this case, I'm still going to rage against Arthur Smith's decision-making on principle and ignore the fourth down bots. Uh, The Falcons had a false start penalty, which pushed them back another five yards and made it a fourth and eight instead of a fourth and three. So perhaps at that point, you would say that the odds of making the fourth down just aren't high enough to justify the potential upside of winning the game outright. Uh, Had the plan worked out, but given that some of the analytics say that it was acceptable to just kick the field goal, I will somewhat let this one go. That being said, had the plan worked out, I would still be saying the same thing. But it did not, in fact, work out. Instead, this happened. Panthers need a touchdown. Down to 23 seconds from their 38-yard line. Walker on first down. Moving to his left. And now Walker fires downfield, looking for D.J. Moore in the end zone. Makes a diving catch for a Panthers touchdown. Wow. 62 yards. Carolina has tied the game. 
Once again, that came courtesy of Fox, the NFL, Kenny Albert, and Jonathan Vilma. Uh, but after that, it gets even better from there. DJ Moore was penalized for throwing off his helmet in celebration of his touchdown. Uh, this meant a 15-yard penalty for the point after, which was subsequently missed. Uh, many people were talking about how the NFL is really the no-fun league after this happened. It does seem a little excessive for them to penalize a player for just being happy that he scored a touchdown, but the rules are the rules, and that's what happened. So the Panthers and Falcons headed into overtime, uh, tied 34-all. The Falcons were stalling out in drive when this happened. On second down, play action. Mariota going deep. And this pass is picked off. He was looking for Bird. C.J. Henderson with the interception. The return inside the 25-yard line of the Falcons. So now the Panthers will have an opportunity to win this game in overtime. That came courtesy, once again, of Fox, the NFL, Kenny Albert, and Jonathan Vilma. So the Panthers seemingly had a gimme field goal in the Falcons' red zone, but they missed a 32-yarder, which gave the ball back to the Falcons. The Falcons then drove the ball down the field and kicked a field goal to finally win the game in overtime, 37-34, and take sole possession of the NFC South with a record of 4-4. Four and four. To quote Rod Serling, picture, if you will, that any one of these things hadn't happened. That the Falcons win 4 on 4th down, which meant that they could have avoided the need for overtime in the first place, or if P.J. Walker's Hail Mary had failed, or if D.J. Moore hadn't thrown his helmet following the Hail Mary, or if the coin flip had gone differently, or if Marcus Mariota hadn't been picked off, or if the Panthers had made their overtime field goal. This game could truly have gone any way. In some other universe in the Twilight Zone, the Panthers are in first place in the NFC South, with a 3-5 and five record, despite having just fired their head coach. In another one, maybe the Panthers and Falcons tied. Uh, the NFL season, like life, is a combination of unlikely events that lead to different winners. All the Falcons, or we, can do is play the odds as best as possible. Moving on to a different NFC team, what is wrong with the LA Rams? They won the Super Bowl last year. Even if they hadn't, uh, they performed well enough last season that they would have been considered a top playoff contender heading into the season. They had a 12-5 record, looked fairly solid for most of the year, outside of a brief three-game losing streak in November. Uh, instead, the Rams are one of a few NFC teams, along with the Packers and Buccaneers, that has well underperformed expectations. Right now, they sit at three wins and four losses, and that probably makes them look better than they've actually performed. They have a point differential of negative 39, which is the third worst in the NFL, ahead of only the Detroit Lions and Pittsburgh Steelers. Football Outsiders DVOA has them at 24th in the league in their ratings. Their last game came at home off a of bye week. Yes, it was against the 49ers, who are already pretty good. Division rival uh, usually play the Rams very tight, and the 49ers had just added Christian McCaffrey. So a loss would be understandable, but a 17-point loss under those circumstances of a bye week and at home does not demonstrate being one of the top teams in the league. In fact, all four of their losses have come by at least 12 points. Clearly, something is really off with the LA Rams. So what is going on? The, the biggest, most obvious culprit is likely the offensive line. Ben Baldwin of The Athletic has started a Twitter tradition of graphing the Rams' quality of pass protection versus how well Matthew Stafford has performed, updating it every week and comparing it to other seasons 
of the Rams under the Sean McVay era. So in 2018 and 2021, those are the two years the Rams made the Super Bowl, the Rams had some of the best pass protection in the league, and Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford performed as such. 2019, the Rams had mediocre pass protection, and Jared Goff did poorly. That's the only year so far that Sean McVay has missed the playoffs, and that year the Rams had a 9-7 record. This year, according to Pro Football Focus, the Rams have had the worst pass protection of the Sean McVay era. And, surprise, surprise, Matthew Stafford has had the worst performance of any Sean McVay quarterback through eight weeks. He has so far thrown seven touchdowns versus eight interceptions. Ben Baldwin also ranks the Rams last in both early down rushing and passing efficiency. In other words, he has them as the worst in all offensive early down plays. So while most other advanced stats don't have the Rams dead last like Ben Baldwin in terms of offensive efficiency, it is clear that they have not been performing well. Uh, You don't even have to look at advanced stats. You just have to look at the eye test, think about how they performed against the Bills in the season opener or against the Cowboys, the 49ers last week, or any of their other games for the most part. Uh, Their defense has still been decent as they still have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, all the rest. So, you know, maybe there is still some hope for the season. Uh, Their next three games are against the Buccaneers, Cardinals, and Saints, who are three other teams who went from fairly solid last year to middling this year all with a, a below 500 record. Then they face the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium, a game which at the beginning of the season looked like one to circle on the calendar, and now it looks like it would probably be a blowout. So maybe they have a chance to put something together over the next month, but if Sean McVay can either fix or overcome these offensive woes, I have to admit that that would likely be one of his most impressive coaching accomplishments to date. For those just tuning in, uh, this is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm your host, Truman Chos, and this is Story of a Season. All right, so our next section is power rankings. Uh, Not too much movement at this point. I think we've kind of seen what teams are. There is a pretty clear top three, in my opinion. I will put the Buffalo Bills at number one. Uh, They beat the Packers this week. wasn't their most impressive performance of the year, but they still won by multiple possessions. Uh, The outcome of the game was really never in doubt. Uh, Buffalo has consistently looked like one of the best teams in the league all year. They only had the one loss to the Dolphins, and that was by just a couple of points. The fact that they are favored by 12.5 points over the Jets, a team who has a Winning record uh, is just a statement to how dominant they have been. Bills number one. Number two, I'm going to put the Kansas City Chiefs ahead of the Eagles. I think that you could make an argument for either one. It's more that when I think about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, I do trust them more than Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. I do respect what the Eagles have accomplished, but given the Chiefs' uh, record the past at this point, it's almost a decade if you go back to before Mahomes, back to the Alex Smith era. Um, they have just had a consistent winning culture. I think the Eagles are still a little new, new to this. But they, too, have looked like one of the best teams in the league. Their only losses to the Colts and to the Bills, both very close. The Bills one could have gone either way. They are running away with the division, unlike what people predicted before. 
it's very clear that the Chiefs are still at the top of the AFC West, and I think that they are only second to the Bills in the AFC, Chiefs at two. Eagles looked very, very good against the Steelers. After the game, Football Outsiders DVOA uh, pushed them up to number two, and they are just behind the Bills. In that ranking, Aaron Schatz was arguing that it's not so much that the Bills are overrated as that people are underrating the Eagles. So I think you could make a very compelling case for the Eagles as the second best or even the best team in the league, given that they are undefeated. I personally would still just favor the Bills in a matchup with the Eagles. I would also favor the Chiefs in a matchup with the Eagles. However, uh, they have a 7-0 record. Their upcoming schedule is incredibly easy. They could easily be 12-0 by the time the Giants come to town. So I will put the Philadelphia Eagles at number three. So as I said, I think it's kind of those top three teams are the clear uh, best teams in the league right now, playing much better than the rest of their competition. However, under them, I think that there are a number of teams that are very, very good. I think that the team with the best chance of winning a Super Bowl out of that is the 49ers, so I will put them at fourth. Uh, given that the 49ers have reached the NFC Championship in two of the last three seasons, and they just added Christian McCaffrey, if they can get healthy, I think this is a scary team that could easily, maybe not easily, but I could very well see them upsetting the Eagles in a playoff game. I could e- even see them upsetting the Bills in a playoff game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has once again been somewhat underrated this year and been a very efficient quarterback. Again, if all the pieces can come together, 49ers are going to be very scary. Put them at number four. After that, I'll put the Ravens, who have not uh, lost a game by more than one possession so far. Uh, Out of all those one-possession losses, some of those just did not go their way. They led by at least 10 points in all of them. I think that their win over the Buccaneers is very impressive. They were trailing by quite a bit and came back. Uh, Ravens have just overall not had what I would call a bad game throughout the entire year, unless you want to count a fourth quarter collapse against Miami like they had in week two or something like that. I would just point to the other three quarters when they absolutely dominated. So I'll put the Ravens at fifth. Number six, I will put the Cowboys I am arguably underrating them, especially after their performance against the Bears last week when they scored 49 points on offense. Finally, they're starting to do something on that side of the ball. Dak Prescott was returning to form. Uh, Tony Pollard was looking very efficient. I would say that he is an excellent argument for why you should not give a running back a contract like Zeke's with $90 million for six years. That was severely overpaying when they had a very good back in Tony Pollard. But now that their offense is starting to look very, very good, I know that was just against the Bears, but still impressive nonetheless. Uh, With that defense, with Micah Parsons, everyone else, this is a very scary team that could potentially upset someone in the playoffs. So after them, I'm going to put the Bengals. I had them higher last week, but they were very much demolished by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, The Browns were very motivated, probably wanted to win more than the Bengals. Uh, With that being said, if this is a sign of how they will be performing without Jamar Chase, the next few weeks could be kind of rough. I still think that Joe Burrow has mostly gotten this team back on track, but I am a little more wary about the Bengals after their performance last week. Uh, So Bengals at 7. Then I am going to put uh, the Seattle Seahawks. 
I think that they have finally established themselves as a top 10 team in the league. I know I called them as a potential sneaky playoff team, but I didn't think they would actually be a top 10 team in the league. Uh, But if you look at the last couple weeks, they've been performing really well. Geno Smith still has the best completion percentage in the NFL. Somehow he has been looking like a Pro Bowl player. Uh, I doubted Pete Carroll before the season started. I am very sorry for that. I think the Seahawks are a legitimate team. And outside of the 49ers, the best team in the NFC West right now. All right, moving on then to game picks. First, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs. I know I was just talking about how much I love the Chiefs this season. And yes, the Titans do have a negative point differential, which is something I'm not a big fan of, especially now that they are seven games into the season. Uh, That being said, I do think that the Titans have tended to play the Chiefs very close in their previous games. Uh, I think that they have a good ability to run the ball. So that should keep the score down against the Chiefs if they can keep the ball out of the hands of Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Uh, If Ryan Tannehill is still out, that is some cause for concern. I don't really want to pick Malik Willis to upset the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But the Titans, a tough physical team that generally performs well against the Chiefs in this matchup, I think it's going to be closer than people think, and the Chiefs do win in the end but the Titans keep it fairly close, 29-23. Then we have the Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. As I just mentioned, I love the Seahawks this year. I think the Cardinals are a mess. Typically, Seattle has performed fairly well in Arizona, if you go back to their previous matchups. Uh, Arizona, now that they have DeAndre Hopkins, that has added some juice to their offense, but this is still a very chaotic team. I like what Seattle is doing better. I trust Pete Carroll more than Cliff Kingsbury. And somehow I I kind of trust Geno Smith more than uh, Kyler Murray. So I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win outright 26-24. Then we have the Vikings at the Washington Commanders. Uh, I do not think that the Washington Commanders are a very good team. Yes, they have won their last few, but those were against the Bears The mediocre Green Bay Packers, as much as I hate to admit it, as well as the Colts starting Sam Ellinger for the first time. Uh, The Commanders have had one of the worst point differentials in the league. Uh, I do not think this is a good matchup for them, and I am once again going to hope that hope is probably the wrong word. I would like the Vikings to lose the division, but... For sake of my picks, I am going to hope that this is the week the Vikings finally put it all together and play a really good game on offense and defense and blow an opponent out of the water. I'm going to pick the Vikings to win 29-20. to Then we have the Atlanta Falcons, who are home underdogs to the L.A. Chargers. Uh, I personally like the Falcons to win this game. I think that they have looked like a better team than the Chargers so far this year. Uh, Yes, the Chargers have been banged up, but while I hate to dive into sports platitudes, this does feel like a very Chargers-y season, where before the actual start of the season, before any snaps have been played, everyone is picking the Chargers as their sneaky playoff team, and it doesn't come together thanks to injuries and other things. Uh, 
I do not think the Chargers have performed that well. They lost the Seahawks at home. They barely beat the Broncos. They barely beat the Browns. They beat the Texans, but that one was closer than it seemed. Got blown out by the Jaguars. The Falcons, I think, are a legitimate team. A win here would put them above 500. And I think that Arthur Smith would like to make an actual playoff push, not just treat this as a rebuilding season. Uh, I think that they will be motivated thanks to their win over the Panthers last week. So I'm going to pick the Falcons to beat the Chargers outright, still dealing with injuries, still not healthy, still not that great. Uh, 27 to 23. So then finally, we have the Indianapolis Colts at the New England Patriots. I'm going to take the Patriots to win big time. They finally united around Mac Jones. Uh, They have actually looked good in games, something the Colts have not done. Most of their wins have been fairly fluky or close. Their losses have been terrible. The Patriots have had some very bad games, but they've actually shown some promise in some games. Uh, Their defense has looked excellent. I think that they will feast on the Colts with Sam Ellinger. Uh, The Colts also just fired their offensive coordinator, I just do not think that this is a good matchup for the Colts right now, and I think the Patriots will take this as an opportunity to prove themselves in the tough AFC, move closer in the wildcard race, and put the Colts farther back, maybe make them start looking at uh, draft picks a year from now. So I will take the Patriots to win 26-14. to Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Once again, this has been Story of a Season. Uh, I'm Truman Chost, your host, and and you're listening on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.